welcome to DevCast, brought to you by Devril Smith, the right people. DevCast is where property meets people, industry figures, news and views, what it takes to be your best. So sit back, earphones on, and enjoy this edition of DevCast. Hi and welcome to DevCast, Devril Smith's audio series which holds exclusive and thought-provoking interviews with professionals of the real estate industry. My name is Nick Cammond, I lead our build to rent division at Devril Smith and today I will be joined by the Managing Director of Operations at CA Management, Pierre Malhado. Pierre has over 15 years experience in the US multifamily market, holding senior positions for key operators including Larimar Group, McCaffrey Interests and Magnolia Capital. Pierre has recently relocated to the UK with his family, joining CA Ventures. CA Ventures are a leading developer and operator of purpose-built accommodation, with over £10 billion worth of assets under management and several more under development. Pierre is tasked with spearheading CA management's expansion in the UK and European built market. Pierre, good morning and thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me, Nick. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Brilliant. Well, look, Pierre, we've got a lot to ask you today, so let's dive right into it. Um, do you want to tell me a bit about your life before working in real estate? What was your starting point and how have you got to where you are today? Sure. Well, I, I've been working in the multifamily or BTR sector, as it's called over here, for over 15 years. But like many people in property management, I didn't choose property management as a career. Back then, it was not seen as a career path, quite truthfully. And um, now it is. And there's universities in USA that focus on property management. So it's indeed a legitimate, lucrative and rewarding career path. But I grew up in, in Belize, a very small country. And with hopes of opening a resort when I finished university. I went to university for hotel and restaurant and tourism management. Yeah. Um, my mom had a couple bed and breakfast and my dad ironically was a landlord with some smaller developments, think like single family homes and townhomes. Um, but I did not pay attention to my dad's side of the business. I was more interested in hoping uh, to open up a hotel or something of that sort. And uh, so I was very interested in hospitality and tourism because that was Belize's main source of income, tourism. So it seemed like a safe bet. And uh, both my brother and I were pursuing hotel management degrees because we both wanted to open this uh, dream resort in Belize. <laughs> And um, we were in New Orleans, a great town to study hotel management because it's also, um, it's got the ecosystem with all the restaurants, the bars, the Mardi Gras festivals. Um, we had a lot of fun there. I, I, I did also manage to get some studying done. Brilliant. And um, I ended up staying in USA after uni. Um, you know the story, boy meets girl, boy changes his dream to be around a dream girl. 
<laughs> so I ended up working with Starwood Lodging as a guest services agent and eventually worked my way up to head of guest services. And um, after a few years, I was burnt out as hotel jobs are long hours. You work holidays, you, you can go for long stretches without a day off. Um, you get great benefits like the heavily discounted hotel rooms. Yes. But mostly my family and friends enjoyed those perks. They'd send me pictures of the hotels they'd be staying at, but I was always working. I was um, pretty intent on moving up quickly because my parents instilled a very strong work ethic in me. And um, I was one of those kids that always had a, a side hustle. You know, when I was eight years old, I would buy baseball and basketball cards in bulk and resell them to other kids for a profit and back then there was only one one airline that flew to belize so u.s sports merchandise was a hot commodity and uh by the time i was in high school my brother and i were running holiday trips from belize to the mexican yucatan riviera and um a lot of fun but also we learned a lot about um being financially rewarded uh pretty young and even even today, I still have uh, side hustles, and um, but I, I I guess the lo long story short is uh, I was burnt out working in the hotel industry, so I ended up going back to university for my MBA, and uh, at that point, I decided to enter the world of real estate, but I wanted to be on the development side, not property management. Sure. Um, However, however, you know, while working at a hotel, I was approached by a developer and he gave me an opportunity to manage a, a rather large apartment community with great benefits like a free apartment. And I, I said, sure, why not? <laughs> and that was my uh, first stab at property management. I ended up absolutely loving it because you had so many opportunities to uh, collaborate problem solve meet residents and re really build a, a community there did you did you feel that that having the experience in hospitality before the kind of the skill set that you built was that useful and transferable to uh, multifamily it, it absolutely is because in hotel management you really focus on operations as well as maintaining high levels of customer service and quite truthfully, I think it's harder in hotel management because you're always on. And um, if if it's a rainy day, you need to be smiling and somehow manage to get the guests smiling because they want to go out to the beach, but it's raining. So it, it definitely um, is a benefit having gone to hotel management. So yeah. a, a lot of property management firms, including here in the UK, look at uh, hotel operators as a place to where they can um, get staffing. Certainly. And I think, yes, more operators are pointing that direction, um, which, is, which is really good. Yeah, I was pretty fortunate. You know, I, uh, my current boss at CA, uh, Steve, back in 2007, he, he provided a really great opportunity at Laramar where I would move to a new city every year. And it was Miami, New York City, LA, San Francisco, Denver, Chicago. And it, feel, it felt like I was moving every year. But the opportunity to manage all these types of buildings from 
high-rise to mix use to bank owned to garden sell to new developments was so intriguing for me and not being from america having the opportunity to go to a new city every year was uh was exciting so you know i had a career path where it was property manager to senior property manager to junior regional to regional to director then eventually to um where i've been at the past uh, couple of years at the managing director level um, so it was great I, I made a career out of it and had a lot have had a lot of fun doing it you mentioned quite a few cities you worked in uh, out of them which was uh, which one did you most enjoy you know, it's always um, goes back to Miami and Chicago, uh, Miami, because I, I love the weather there. And it's, um, it's convenient to where me and my wife's families are. You could jump on a plane, get to Belize, get to Bermuda very quickly. And um, Chicago is just a great city, uh, minus the winters. It's, um, I've always loved Chicago. It's mixes the old with the new architecturally speaking it's great uh, it's like new york just um a lot more manageable yeah it's a shame that we don't have the good weather like miami here <laughs> uh, <laughs> kind of moving 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 on come on to the uk so you, you you've moved you've moved over recently i mean what was what was the, the main motivation behind the move yeah there were quite a few reasons for the move um i guess if i said i was moving from miami to the uk i couldn't say the weather but given the last move was from chicago um i can say the weather <laughs> but quite truthfully it was uh, family as my wife and her family have british citizenship by way of bermuda and her parents were thinking of spending uh, more time here and better work-life balance exploring the UK and Europe. Uh, I love to travel. It's, um, I think it's just great seeing all the different cultures out there. I've been to just about uh, 48, 48 countries now. Yeah. And I uh, hope to do, do more once we get, a get out of this pandemic. And then, um, really being on the ground floor of BTR and being a collaborator with others and sharing best practices, and and apparently I'm addicted to startups. So launching BTR for CA in the UK and Europe was very appealing. The last job I did was um, doing a startup as well. And um, I keep saying I'm never going to do it again, but I keep being drawn to startups. <laughs> um, you've had a couple of months experience working in the UK. Granted, it's probably not what you expected by going straight into lockdown. Um, but given the time you, you've been working here, have you seen any noticeable differences between working in the US and UK property market? Yeah, I think so. Um, the process moves quicker in, in the USA. It's just because it's go, go, go all the time. But on the um, flip side, even though the process is slower here, there is a better quality of life. and. Um, on the USA, they're more open to data sharing. A lot of this has to do with the market being over 30 years old. So there has been more time for the infrastructure and talent to be developed. The model is more evolved due to it being a mature market. So 
prop tech, revenue management, amenities, customer service, transparency, it, it's all been there for a while. But I think the good news is that the UK can learn from our mistakes in America and hopefully play quick, quick catch up because I think BTR is having a moment here. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And kind of to expand on that last question, specifically looking at the, the build to rent sector, um, you know, what, what are you seeing being the fundamental differences between the, the UK build to rent and US multifamily? Sure. So multifamily has uh, several segments such as high rise downtown buildings and low rise garden style buildings and they renovate really old buildings and there's various segments of it whereby BTR has really focused on the high rise urban living. The garden style model hasn't quite made it over to the UK, but I do think that'll change. Um, <clears throat> in America, there's an amenity war in multifamily where things like rooftop pools, dog spas, indoor basketball courts, etc., are are very commonplace and everyone's trying to outdo the next building. There are amenities in BTR, but I think the Brits are being a lot more sensible in the approach here. Yeah, I did, a, um, I did an article on amenities um, around the global rental market. And you, you know, you're right that the US is on a completely different level to the UK. Yeah, it's absolutely unreal what the, what they, they do with the amenities there. Um, it's more established and institutional there where I think here it's in its infancy and you've got the established management models with a, with a holistic property management uh, approach over there because you've got established software solutions, revenue management. Um, it's still in the early stages here. And with that holistic approach, it's very typical for one company to manage the apartment community. They'll do the property, the facilities, and the lettings, whereby here there might be three companies doing it, which can lead to a fragmented customer journey and experience. But I think that's uh, slowly starting to change because it's only been here a few years. Now they're seeing the opportunities of um, doing it all under one shop. And, um, and, you know, to those listening, I'm always happy to share best practices, whether it be on prop tech, sustainability operations, et cetera. Um, just reach out. Interesting. Um, attraction and retention of tenants. It's, you know, top of the list in priorities for, for any builder and operator. In your view, how should we attract and retain tenants? Quite truthfully, you attract tenants by building the right apartment community for the neighborhood. And you've got to work with the local communities and their stakeholders as partners. You, you meet the specific needs of the neighborhood. Otherwise, you're going to be creating a product that does not resonate with the community. And it's, it's really important to create an atmosphere where residents can, can thrive personally, professionally, academically. And uh, so once you've built the right community, going through that process of addressing all the stakeholders' needs, then you ensure you're using the right marketing and technology to attract prospects whom eventually become residents. And I cannot emphasize how important the training of your team is because you can have the 
best technology, but if you don't have the right people and the right training, then you've just got um, really good technology, but it's a fragmented customer journey. And this really begins, like, like at CA management, it begins by putting people first in every decision that we make. Our platform is all about an, an investment in what's best. Our passion is to deliver results and our people make it happen. It's all about our people. Yes, we invest in technology, revenue management, amenities, and more, but most importantly, we invest in our people. Completely agree. And interesting. And I guess further to that question, um, what, what do you consider to be the most important thing for tenants? You know, for example, location, amenities, what, what, what do you think is most important? You know, at the end of the day, it's got to be customer service. Um, you can have a rooftop pool and a great location, but if your customer service isn't top-notch, residents will go somewhere else. And um, thankfully, companies like HomeViews are making it easier for apartment hunters to know which communities are offering the best customer service. So we see that transparency is coming to the market. And I think BTR as an industry, this, this has really sprouted because consumers are getting tired of dealing with individual landlords who don't offer a holistic approach where it comes to um, offering quick and reliable customer service, um, having the right amenities in place, placing health and wellness and sustainability um, all of these things that resonate with the consumer. So having a brand that resonates with the consumers is important. And those that are placing residents first will be the ones that stand out. No, no longer will the residents just want their management company to collect rents and address service requests. It's all about the customer service and experience that is offered. And that's, that's what people want. So, Let's talk about sharing data. You, you mentioned earlier that um, sharing data is a, quite a prominent thing over in the US. Um, I guess, kind of, do, do you think there's an importance of sharing data amongst operators to help the UK build rent industry grow? Absolutely. The only way the industry can grow is by sharing best practices and becoming more transparent in, in data sharing. I do think, however, there has been a more move towards collaboration since COVID-19 as the industry has come together and is being more open to data sharing. Uh, I sit on a couple of committees which have met virtually during this pandemic and we have worked on solutions, whether it be operational on how to deal with COVID-19 or what technology is out there to assist in the lettings process, uh, sustainability, reducing operational costs, et cetera. It's a lot easier when you have a group of people and we can share these best practices because there's so much technology out there. And for us to spend our time to go through dozens of companies whereby others may have been through the process already and can tell you, look, these are the best two companies out there for revenue management or these are the best two for health and wellness. It's uh, really reducing the amount of time that you spend on finding the right company. And then you can really focus this time on uh, providing that great experience to your customers. 
So we're coming out of lockdown, things are picking up, construction has kick-started. What are your predictions for the, the build to rent sector in the near future? Oh, wow, I wish I had a crystal ball. So we'll, we'll, we'll see whether my prediction is right. Um, I think the build to rent sector is likely to see a short-term impact on landlord revenues, but longer term, the coronavirus lockdown is unlikely to dampen investors' growing appetite for the sector. The fundamentals for BTR investing in the UK are very attractive. There is a housing shortage due to a supply and demand imbalance, and many of the regional cities are experiencing employment growth, and simultaneously the number of owner-occupied homes has decreased, which contributes to the supply imbalance. So, Built to rent is addressing the continually increasing need for housing and fulfilling the demand for professionally managed amenity driven communities. And in addition, it provides a long term steady income stream for investors. You know, there are, there are some cities where there might be an oversupply, like in Manchester, but that's helping to stabilize rents. So I, I think. Long term, we have a very uh, positive outlook on the build to rent sector. I think it will continue to grow. Fantastic. And yes, I think, you know, speaking to us of my clients during the lockdown, you know, everyone's had their difficulties with adjusting to working from home and looking at the new normal. But um, overall, people are, you know, clients are positive, which is, which is really good. And I think it will, um, I think we'll do good. Um, in terms of yourself and CA, I mean, we'll come on to the business properly in a second, but what challenges are you in the sector facing with COVID-19 right now? You know, there's, there's so many challenges um, with COVID, quite truthfully, because uh, I think no one had a crystal ball, and even those that did didn't realize how much of an effect this would have globally. And it's true from an investment perspective, there is currently a higher cost of debt right now to making deals work. However, BTR has a track record of performing better than other sectors in real estate, and the demand is still very high. And when you look at it uh, compared to other sectors right now, it is performing better. I think in terms of technology, it's more important now than ever for developers and owners to choose the right infrastructure and network during the design phase, since there will be a bigger demand for the use of virtual and augmented reality to facilitate the lettings process. And this is evident right now as uh, many property management companies here have been forced to pivot over to virtual showings and using touchless technology uh, to also ensure that uh, people feel safe in their apartment homes. Uh, we're also looking at smart video cameras with heat mapping that'll help ensure social distancing norms that we've been accustomed to are being adhered to. And <clears throat> currently we see a need for investing in holistic solutions to encourage social distancing whilst being mindful of the health and wellness challenges that arise from the physical separation, because we, we need to create more instances of togetherness to solve for isolation, especially as we, we're seeing more people working from home. So, uh, you know, some of the things we've really been focusing on, and, and some of this has already uh, been 
part of the multifamily sector in America, but um, sort of a dens in homes. So you can have a home office as opposed to just having a one bedroom, you'll have a one bedroom plus den that's very popular in the USA. Having more green space in your apartment communities, more in-person and virtual health and wellness events. And something that we've shifted very quickly to is creating these enclosed spaces for residents to work or take a mental break in where they can video chat with others or take calls down there and feel comfortable that they're in this little bubble of uh, protected isolation, if you will. And um, the, the pandemic has shown a light on the need for adaptability within our build to rent communities. And while we cannot predict the future, we can proactively build strategies to increase our long-term resilience. And um, in, uh, I can talk about resilience forever, so hopefully I don't go off on a tangent here, but uh, in, in some ways I feel that it's become a dry run for the sustainability agenda and an opportunity for companies to see how they can uh, tackle an expanding range of environmental, social, and governance challenges. You know, the risk of the pandemic was known, and yet the crisis exposed a lack of adaptability and resilience for many companies. But how, how do you address that? And, and flexibility is the key word. And you need to design, build, and operate with flexibility in mind. And if, if you do that systematically, you're going to ensure that your clients, your residents are, and communities are safe, both during normal times and emergency times, because it's, it's, it's all about being resilient, being able to withstand the impacts of negative events and continue to grow despite them. And we really need to build resilience-related business strategies and have a flexible design to adapt. To, to these challenges such as this pandemic. Fascinating. Um, so I'd like now to let our listeners understand a bit more about CA management. So um, can you tell us a bit more about what CA do and what the, the future looks like? Absolutely. CA management services is the property management arm of CA Ventures. CA Ventures de develops student housing and BTR communities um, globally. They're in America, Latin America, Europe, and we're opening in the UK as well. So in addition to supporting CA Ventures properties, we offer third-party management services to other developers and owners. And we oversee a 10 billion pound portfolio across the globe and provide amazing experiences to over 30,000 residents. And we are focused on technology that improves the overall resident experience, creates operating efficiencies for property management and drives net operating income for investors. Um, we'll be delivering housing across several cities in the UK next year with the first deliveries in Glasgow, Edinburgh and Sheffield. And we, we create the right infrastructure and we that that has allowed us to utilize smart technologies through the internet of things allowing for smart security intelligent temperature control bluetooth activated access and location intelligence decision making and what what that is that allows for the capture of demographics the 
human mobility patterns, the optimal flows between spaces, density analysis. And this data is critical in letting you know which spaces are being used, thus optimizing your current and future developments. So you can use that to work in conjunction with geomarketing to know which residents like what events. Mm -hmm. And you end up customizing your health and wellness events to your residents. So, so tech's really important for us, um, as is health and wellness, sustainability, and prioritizing our residents and having an in-house innovation team as well as a sustainability team, health and wellness, it, it really allows us to be agile and forward thinking with an adaptable set of skills where we can offer custom solutions to the market. And all of these areas are areas of, of focus. When a, when a product or service can serve all the stakeholders, your residents, your investors, your operational efficiencies for staff, that's the tech we look at to integrate. You know, a lot of tech is shown to you and you, you just need to ask, is this a problem, solving a problem, or is it just a fad? And so having all these department heads, we, we use this expertise to create value throughout an asset's life cycle. And we like to closely collaborate with our clients and partners to deliver the perfect product market fit with the resident experience in mind. It it's truly is all about the resident. Fantastic. Um, you've mentioned a couple of cities in the pipeline. What, what cities are you most excited about? Uh, so many, so many to think of. Uh, Edinburgh, Glasgow, which we're delivering housing next year. But I'm also bullish on Liverpool, Leeds, uh, Coventry, Birmingham, Bristol, and Brighton. And like I mentioned earlier, I think Built to Rent is really having its moment now. Certainly. And I think it will also be very exciting when we see operators expand into the European markets. Um, I think especially on our side, we're, we're looking forward to expanding to the, the German rental market in future. Um, brilliant. So, Pierre, I, I would like now to talk about what I do, recruitment. Um, you know, my job is advising people at all levels, uh, people who have worked in real estate for a very long time. But also what I enjoy most is, you know, people who are new to the sector, whether that's a graduate or perhaps someone from another sector. It might be using hospitality as an example, someone who's been as a hotel manager for 20 years and I've brought them into the world of real estate. What, what advice would you give to someone looking to start a career in property? I would probably say it's something I didn't have the opportunity to do uh, because I just fell into this career, but meet as many people as you can and, and become engaged in conferences, webinars, um, groups like BizNow and the UKAA, and, and make it a point to meet the Deverell Smith team, who's great at connecting candidates with those hiring. And, you know, because by meeting those in the sector, you'll have a better understanding of the sector and the many career paths available. And um, don't, don't be shy in reaching out to people. Become educated because there's so many career opportunities within the sector. I agree. And I think one thing that has really drawn me to property, it's an extremely fast paced sector, but very sociable as well. Um, and, and people are very willing to, to help out others and educate, which is brilliant. Um, interesting. 
in your opinion, when hiring, what, what, what's more important to you, experience or personality? You know, for, for entry and mid-level roles, I always hire for personality because you cannot train someone to be hospitable and have a heart of service. And this is why employees from the hotel sector typically make a good fit for the property management sector because we want employees that care and truly want to provide good customer service. So personality, hands down. Fantastic. And Pierre, can you define to me your leadership style? Yeah, that should be a question asked to my employees. (laughs) But (laughs) let's see. I would say I am laid back. I do not micromanage because I hate being micromanaged, but um, very strategic in my approach to ensure the vision is being executed properly. Also, be I'll also believe in having fun in the workplace. Um, we we play a lot of games in our office, and we've moved those games over virtually to keep the the vibe and the, the culture going. Um, having said that, I've always liked teaching and love sharing what I've learned with others. There, there are some that get offended when someone is brighter than them, but I want my team members to be brighter than me so we can collaborate and bring different ideas together. And most ideas are not mine. They're, they're my team members. I just help guide and transform the idea or process. And leadership really is the capacity to translate visions into reality. Brilliant. So Pierre, you've got a big task ahead um, and obviously you must be very busy. Um, How do you ensure you're fitting in enough downtime? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it can be challenging quite truthfully to fit in downtime when you love what you do. And uh, thankfully CA is a company that respects work-life balance, which helps with shutting it off outside of work. I do like to take time out to explore the beauty of the UK with my wife and very opinionated dog. And I feel as though there are so many beautiful parts of the UK to explore. And we've spent the past past few weeks in Yorkshire Dales and the beauty here is absolutely breathtaking. And I I don't know if I'll ever return to London. Just kidding. (laughs) But I, I really try to find time to enjoy being outside and um this environment has provided that fantastic um so pierre i always do like to ask this question if if you had 10 minutes alone with robert jenrick the secretary of state for housing and prime minister boris johnson what would you say and what would you want to ask them that's a tough one but i will try my best and hopefully not offend too many people um (laughs) Having worked in in cities like San Francisco, Los Angeles, and New York, where rent controls are in place, I I can tell you that it doesn't work as it stifles innovation, capital reinvestment into the buildings, thus not achieving the goal of making housing affordable. These happen to be the three most expensive cities to live in America, and that's not by coincidence. Rent control or rent caps is a form of price control. And the market really works best when supply and demand are allowed to find a natural balance. This is what's occurring in Manchester. We have an oversupply, which is driving rents down and making it more affordable to live in these communities. 
The, um, the other issue with rent control is that it creates scarcity and makes it difficult for others to get housing. Developers are less incentivized to build new housing if there's a ceiling on what can be charged. The costs of land and development are already at all-time high, so we don't need further restrictions. Um, however, it's not all doom and gloom. How, having a percentage of your building be affordable housing is, is different, and this is viable. And percentages naturally will vary by location. For instance, in an area where the land is expensive, as are the building costs, you, you might be limited in the number of homes that can be offered as affordable housing. Otherwise, the development isn't financially viable. However, there are ways to get around this, like increasing the density of the development. And we really need to come up with friendly business climate incentives that continue to push build to rent developments and not discourage it. It's um, build to rent is the quickest way to address the UK housing shortage. That, that, that would probably something I would share with them. And if I had an opportunity to ask Prime Minister Boris Johnson something, it would be given everything we know now about the financial impacts of COVID-19, would there still have been a push for Brexit? Fantastic. Um, Pierre, I'd like to finish with some quick fire questions for you. Um, firstly, favourite sports? Kayaking, if that's a sport. <laughs> <laughs> I'll count it as one. Um, if you could own any building in the world, what would it be and what would you do with it? It would be Runkle's house in Bermuda. My uh, wife's parents lost their home, Runkle's, in a very difficult bankruptcy. And assuming I could one day afford it, I would love to purchase it and renovate it for them and my wife. I know how much it means to all of them. It's a really unique place that sits on the ocean with a beautiful beach and memorable sunsets. Um, why do you think I enjoy kayaking so much? I mean, there's just so many great <laughs> memories there and we'd love to create an opportunity for more. Brilliant. Tea or coffee? Tea. Um, I'm with you there. Christmas or Thanksgiving? Christmas. East or West Coast? East, it's closer to the UK. And controversial last one, US or UK? I think I have to go with the UK for now, especially given the beautiful surroundings I have been in the past few weeks. I think all our listeners will enjoy hearing that. Um, fantastic. <laughs> Pierre, look, thank you so much for your time today. It's been a real pleasure to talk to you. Um, to the people listening, thanks for tuning in. I will attach Pierre's contact details when we publish this. And if you would like to get in touch with him, please do. Thanks again and see you soon. Thank you. You can join the DS movement by visiting ds.devrilsmith.com and you will receive the latest Deadcast episode direct to your inbox. 